This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. If you want to get involved in the show this afternoon, you can join us on the WhoDatLending.com talk and text line. That's 504-260-1870. Today, inside Tiger Stadium, Hasn't been many home games. It's actually LSU's first home game since October 24th, if you can believe that. That's amazing. About six weeks ago, the last time the LSU Tigers have played at home, when they beat South Carolina, they even their record to 52, or to they beat South Carolina 52 to 24, evening their record to two and two on the season. Since then, LSU has been blown out at Auburn. Then had a couple weeks off because of COVID. Got a an important road win against Arkansas. And then last week against Texas A&M, it was not pretty as LSU struggled to move the ball against Texas A&M. And they lost to the Aggies 20-7 to in a game where the Tigers just could not protect T.J. Finley. Finley, again, had a couple of costly turnovers. Got yanked in the game. Max Johnson came in for him. And T.J. Finley is expected, though, to start today against uh, number one ranked Alabama. Meanwhile, for the Crimson Tide, man, have they been cruising this season. Last week in the Iron Bowl, they defeated Auburn 42-13. to Before that, a 63-3 win over Kentucky. Shut out Mississippi State on Halloween, 41 to nothing. Beat Tennessee, 48-17. Georgia gave them a good ha- game for a half in the middle of October. But Alabama pulled away, winning 41-24. Won a high-scoring affair against Ole Miss, 63-48. Beat Texas A&M in Week 2, 52-24. And opened the season by defeating Missouri in Columbia, 38-19. Alabama bringing an 8-0 record into tonight's game. It is the 85th meeting between Alabama and LSU. Let's bring in former LSU quarterback Herb Tyler. Herb, how you doing this afternoon? Man, I am good, blessed. I'm looking forward to a good game tonight. Um, you know, tomorrow's my birthday, so I make 24, just so everybody knows. Um, <laughs> um, <I>, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to enjoy that with my wife, my son to come down, and uh, his girlfriend, and we'll just kind of hang out for a minute. And that's about it. And my son's birthday was actually last Sunday. So um, we, we we got to see him for a minute, and that's about it. And um, so here we are. We're trying to stay COVID-free, as everybody knows, right? And um Looking forward to a good game tonight, man. I know I know the odds are stacked against us, but at the end of the day, I want to see what we're made of. And I say we, I mean LSU, of course. I want to see what we're made of. I want to see what 
you know, if, if, like we're literally 29.5, 29 and a half underdogs to Alabama. And that's just crazy to me. But at the end of the day, let's see uh, how much pride we have. Let's see if we can put everything aside, right? And, and let's just focus on tonight. Um, let's see if TJ can come back. And uh, we, we think he's going to get the nod tonight. But let's see if he can come back and redeem himself and at least play a good game. Um, and let's see if we can get this this – this, this running game going, man. We got to be able to do something with the running game. But um, I'm I'm excited. I'm anxious, man. Yeah, it really starts with the offensive line, Herb. I can't believe how much it how much that unit is struggling this season. And, and we saw it in the game against Auburn. Um, we saw it again last week against Texas A&M. You know what Nick Saban and the Alabama defense will try to do is bring pressure on T.J. Finley or Max Johnson because LSU could not protect the quarterback last week. And they got two starters back from last year's offensive line, Austin Deculus and Ed Ingram, for all intents and purposes, is a returning starter. He played a a ton last season. Um, Liam Shanahan, they moved him from guard tackle at Harvard, or he was playing tackle at Harvard. They move him to center. Um, Dare Rosenthal has been in and out of the lineup because of suspension. And then it's just, it it just, it just has not performed the way it needs to obviously perform. And and the one guy that I think a lot of people looked at, uh, last week that, uh, just, just absolutely struggled in the game was, was Hines who just missed on a couple of blocks, but I didn't Mm -hmm. think. I didn't think this unit would struggle as bad as it has struggled. Uh, Chase and Hines, I was, I was blanking on the first name. I, I was struggling. I, I just can't believe how much this this unit has been struggling this season, Herb. You know, it, it, it's a combination of a few different things that I've noticed. And, and, and you're right. It's um, the drop-off has been tremendous, to say the least. Uh, but at the end of the day, we thought that we would – come in prepared, uh, we'll have a little bit of a drop-off and then kind of get things together and come together as a unit and then move forward and get better. But it's it's, it's really crazy. Last week, we rushed for 36 total rushing yards, <laughs> 3.7 yards play. I mean, that's not good at all. Um, we passed for over 200 yards, which was actually not bad. Um, each quarterback had about 118, 114 yards each. The problem is we could not pick up the blitz. Um, and, you know, Coach O said it best this week. Um, the game plan and the way that we prepared the guys was just, I mean, you can clearly see we weren't prepared for that sort of a defensive uh, blitz coming off the corner or off the, you know, a nickelback blitzing or whatever, loops up front and then coming on the outside. Because we just, I mean, there were no hot routes. There were no hot reads, meaning when I mean hot, I mean, you know, when, when a guy's coming off one particular side, that receiver on that side runs a hot route, whatever that route is, whether it's a, a, a slant, a out, a, a you know, a, a go route or or a hitch route or whatever it is, whatever that route is, it's supposed to be ran and the quarterback and that receiver on that side is supposed to know we don't have enough guys to pick up the blitz and all that other stuff. So we need to make sure that we got to move forward. We got to teach these guys that. Now, I don't know if if this is something that was taught or wasn't taught or – or I don't know what the situation is, but we cannot go into the game tonight with that same type of mentality because you already know Nick Saban will do everything he can to put as many points on the board tonight 
to come out of there with a victory as he can um, so very well often do because they want to try to avenge last year. And they know we're down and we're licking our wounds right now. So I don't think that they're going to show us any pity, to be honest with you, um, especially when we're on offense and they're on defense. I think they're going to bring the house because I want to I, – I can – I can bet you bottom dollar that Nick Saban believes TJ nor Max can pick up any blitz reads and understand it in time and then get the ball to the right player, which last week kind of shows that we couldn't do it. Now, you know, we've had a week to prepare, and I know Coach O was trying to make that a focal point. Um, So I can't blame everything completely on the offensive linemen. I think – Coach O kind of let a little bit out of the bag a little bit this week by saying, you know, he was really disappointed in our offensive game plan and the way that we got our guys ready for for the particular game last week. What do you make out of his criticism, Herb, of his assistant coaches and the game plan that they came up with? I mean, he was pretty quick to point it out in postgame and then obviously reiterated on Monday. I mean, he's the head coach. I understand he works more as a – CEO, right? I don't. Yeah, think facilitator, he, correct. I, I don't think he really puts his nose into. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure he, he reviews the game plans. I'm sure he's listening in on the game plans. I'm sure he gives some input here and there. But he's the head coach, um, and, and I'm I'm not sitting here saying that Coach O is passing the buck, but he's part of the. He's got to be part of the solution, doesn't he? Of course. I mean, he, everything starts and ends with him, and he knows that. But at the end of the day, I understand what he's doing. Um, you know, he's, he's for one, taking the, blames, the blame off of the players. One, let's not put any blame on these kids. Two, he's speaking what I like to say the truth. I mean, at this point, he's frustrated. He's, you know, he wants to win. He understands certain things need to happen in order to win, and the people that can – make those things happen other his his assistant coaches. And, look, I'm sure he holds these guys accountable, like, you know, just like Saban does. And you can see, you know, Saban will show his frustration on the field with the coach or displeasure on the field with the coach. And he'll say whatever, you know, we need to get better at coaching these guys up or whatever, whatever. But it's just the truth. And I'm okay with that. I, I think the coach is okay with that. I think they all understand you know, what they're signing up for whenever they sign on that line to be a, co- a major college football coach. So I think they understand that. But, you know, I don't I don't see any problem with it. I think the, the issue that I have with it is what are we going to do? How do we change this? What what are we not doing? What are we not doing this year that we did so well last year? And, yes, we had a Joe Burrow. We had, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We had all these other great guys that went on to go play in the league. But at the end of the day, we had – a coaching staff that prepared those guys week in and week out for every obstacle that they could have, you know, imagined or, or thought up of or, or created or whatever that was going to hit them, and they were ready for it. And it just seems as though this year we just don't have that. Now, look, let's go ahead. We got we got to, you know, address the elephant in the room, if you will. COVID-19 has prevented so many different challenges this year, not only for LSU but for every football team. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, you got you got to also remember. Well, let me say this: Let's add on to the fact that we got two basically two new offense coordinators, if you will. I know Ensminger is still there, but at the end of the day, we have another, um, I guess, uh, red zone coordinator in Scott Lenahan, and then now you bring in Bo Pelini in the in the fold. 
So they have to try to do whatever they got to do. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's schemat- uh, schematics. I think it's it's a lack of preparation, exactly what Coach O said, and then understanding to the best way to put our guys in the best situation to be successful with a great game plan going into each particular game. I know LSU fans don't want to hear excuses, right? I know they don't. Yeah. They, um, I think they're frustrated, and they should be, uh, based on what the Tigers did last year, and now you're looking yep. at a 3-4 and four record, and you're looking at your first losing season in more than 20 years. But when we're talking specifically about the offensive line, go back uh, to preseason camp. Remember the story? Herb, there was yep. only four offensive linemen yep. available to practice for a time, a, a period of time because of contact tracing. They yep. never, they never were able uh, to get to get on a, a, a solid ground. And, and I don't know if Liam Shanahan's the answer at center. I, I, I don't know if they're trying to. Is that a, a square peg trying to go through a round hole? And that's the only guy that they have. And that's where they got to plug them, and, and they're struggling there. And Dare Rosenthal, when he was being recruited out of Faraday, everybody thought this guy would be a defensive line. They move him to offensive line. I, I'm not exactly sure what happened with Jason Hines last week. That, that was a rough game for him. It seemed like he was the guy that was more of a swinging door than, than a blocker out there. So we'll see. I, I, think you're, I think you're on the right path here, Herb, is that you want to see – some sort of improvement. You don't want to see TJ Finley and Max Johnson running for their lives like they were last week against uh, Texas A&M. Well, regardless of, let's call it the uh, the shuffle board, if you will, of who is going to play center, who's going to play tackle, guard. But it doesn't matter. The thing is, is it's it's the effort that we need to get out of these guys, one. And then two, how do we make sure that we're picking up the right blockers or even in the right in the right realm of understanding who to block at whatever point in time. And it just seemed really, really elementary last week, if you will, to, to watch what was going on. I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, at times we had a guard and a tackle not blocking anybody and looking, you know, quote unquote, toward the inside of, 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 of the field, if you will. And there was one guy coming free, just to the right of them or to the outside of them and, and, and causing havoc for no reason. Like this there's no reason that this should, that should happen. Now, you know, it, it, there's a reason why those guys are looking toward the inside because the coaches have said, this is what we want you to do. We want you to use this technique or whatever. But at the end of the day, we have to figure out what's going on with that. And I, you know, and if I want to, if I know coach Joe, like I know him, I think what he was saying on, on, you know, after the game and then on Monday, was that we're going to approach this week a lot different than we approached the, the previous uh, seven other weeks here. And and I think that he's going to, you know, put his foot down. I think he's going to put his nose in there a little bit more to kind of figure out exactly what they're doing. Still, co- kind of, you know, still entrust the coaches with what they're doing and, and allow them to be who they're going to be. But at the end of the day, I think he's going to want to make sure that these little <laughs> these things, because, I mean, we didn't, I didn't see this coming like this I, I saw what you were talking about or alluding to a little bit earlier as to the right combination of the right guys being in there and understanding each other and and then you know being each other's right hip or left hip if you will and 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 working in unison as a group 
but that I, I didn't see that issue last week. I saw an issue of mental mistakes and not understanding what was needed to be done, and that's only on the, up in the uh, you know on the offensive line. I'm not even getting to the quarterback and a receiver at that point. But this is the same things that we've been seeing on defense as far as our defensive backs of not knowing who has who, what coverage we're in, uh, and, you know, am I rolling down or am I am I backpedaling and getting out of there and, and running with the receiver deep? We, I mean, it was just a, a, a you know a lack there of understanding, and it's starting to, I guess, rear, rear his head on the offensive line side, and then also with the quarterbacks and the and, and the receivers when it comes to hot routes and reading those particular blitzes that are coming at them. That's former LSU quarterback Herb Tyler. You're listening to the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate and Show. I'm Jeff Palermo. Coming up after the break, we are going to get a scouting report on the Alabama Crimson Tide from Dave Schultz, who is who hosts an afternoon show on WNSP in Mobile, Alabama. Zephaniah Powell will also join us later on in the show, the head coach at A-Meet, to talk about uh, an A-Meet product that's having a terrific season, Devontae Smith. We'll also get into some other things as well. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show on WWL, AM, FM, and .com. Sitting in for Christian Garrick, I'm Jeff Palermo with former LSU quarterback Herb Tyler. We're counting down to purple and gold football at 7 o'clock inside Tiger Stadium on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. Joining us now on the show is my good friend Dave Schultz, who's currently working in Mobile, Alabama, has an afternoon show there on WNSP. You may remember him if uh, those of uh, you who were in uh, Acadiana, hearing him on 103.7 The Game in Lafayette. He uh, hosted a show there for about six years. Joining us now to talk about uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide with myself and former LSU quarterback Herb Tyler. Dave, how are you doing this afternoon? Well, I could be doing better. I'm covering South Alabama, and they're getting cream 27 nothing. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm not at a bad. I'm not at a bad Sun Belt game. That's for sure. Right. right. Uh, it, but uh, this Alabama team obviously is is rolling. Um, they could even lose in the SEC championship game and still uh, get into the college football playoff. What impresses you the most about this year's version of Alabama? Oddly enough, I think the defense is the side that has improved the most. The offense has been rolling since week one. But if you go back, Missouri moved the football. Kellen Bond and A&M moved the football. Jared Garantano and Tennessee moved the football. Last week, Bo Nix and Auburn did not move the football. So the defense has been able to get more pressure on them the longer the season has gone on. Matt Jones has been great from the get-go. Jalen Waddle was great while he was still in there. Devontae Smith may be the best receiver in college football this year. The offense has been impressive from the get-go, but the defense is what has improved, I think, dramatically uh, this season for Alabama. Man, I know, look, Tiger fans want to know one thing and one thing only. <laughs> Nick Saban comes in here, right, and he, he, he they're not going to come in happy, let's say that, to say the least. And do you think you see Nick Saban pulling the pedal uh, back a little bit or stepping on that pedal a little bit uh, harder and harder every time they get the football or even on defense with trying to, you know, I guess uh, 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 get these young guys a little rattled or something over here at LSU? What do you think about that? I, I think he's going to put the pedal to the metal for like two, two and a half quarters. But, I mean, I don't see LSU scoring in this game once Terrence Marshall decided he was hanging it up. All they have is the running backs, Gilbert, I mean, I think 
they're going to go full force for two and a half quarters. But I don't think Nick Saban, as much as the fans remember what happened last year in Tuscaloosa, and maybe some of the players do, right? There's no difference between a 45-10 victory for Alabama and a 59-10 victory for Alabama. They're looking to get out of this ball game relatively healthy. If you start throwing Mac Jones out there, you know, when they're leading by 45 nothing or something along those lines, and all of a sudden he's throwing the football, I got a feeling someone may take a cheap shot because he'll probably deserve it. I don't think he's going to look to run up the score with his starters. Again, I don't think LSU is going to score today unless it's off a turnover, uh, if it's late, or maybe off a special teams mistake. Uh, you know, it's going to be shocking if LSU can move the football very well this week against Alabama. And I, I just think Nick Saban is looking to get in, get out, uh, you know, dominate like they have through the first two and a half, three quarters, as they have for most of the season, and uh, and just get out and, and move on and, and look ahead. they got to go up to Arkansas. It's going to be a little chilly up there next week probably. Are they fine, Dave, playing this game, the, the way the scheduling got shuffled and now they have to play? They don't get a bye week heading into the SEC championship game. Has there been any grumbling about that, Dave? I think all the grumbling really was on Florida's side because they're the ones that weren't supposed to have an off week. Uh, I think I haven't really heard any grumbling, uh, you know, from the from the Tuscaloosa side. Uh, they really wanted to play this LSU LSU ball game. They really right. wanted revenge. The fans wanted revenge for last year. I haven't heard anything about off week for uh, you know in the SEC for the SEC championship game. Is it's even on both sides? Wanted to ask you about Mac Jones. Obviously, last year Tua Tagovailoa gets the the brutal injury misses a good portion of the season and he had injuries prior to injuring his hip but now that you're into this 2020 season and seeing how well he's playing all the experience he got last year really benefited him right Dave I mean in a way that was the silver lining to not seeing Tua finish out the way I think Alabama fans were hoping he could finish out absolutely even in the ball game against Auburn where he threw two pick sixes he still played pretty well. He played very well in the bowl game. And looking early on, uh, you know, I thought Mac Jones was the best value for Heisman Trophy at 25-1, to 1, even though it was, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and now Kyle Trask is, is in the middle. I've been high on Mac Jones from uh, the get-go. And outside of a couple of throws last week or a couple weeks ago against Kentucky, uh, he's been really good, right? How do you beat a team 63-3 to 3 and say the offense could have played better? That's crazy. Uh, and they could have. And so he's been, he's been really good. The decisions uh, have been fantastic. Uh, he, you know, he's been every, every bit as good statistically as Trask. I guess Trask has a few more touchdowns uh, than he does because uh, he's come out of the game like two of you two. Uh, but Mac Jones has been, you know, he's been Joe Burrow-esque this year, if you will, from one year to the next. He's been fantastic. Uh, he's gone from unheralded quarterback, and I'm still trying to find out you know, Jeff, I think we've talked about this in another place. He was a wing T quarterback. He throws <laughs> more pass in high school. He, he throws more passes in a game than he does all season. Oh, and uh, then he did in high school. And, you know, he's, he's, he's gone from unheralded quarterback to, you know, Heisman Trophy candidate and maybe first round pick. He's had quite the season. Now, you said that you don't think LSU is going to pretty much score in this game at all, period, yeah. especially nope. since Terrence Marshall is out. Now, yeah. What's your opinion? What do you think LSU – what can they do offensively against this Alabama defense, and what can we LSU do defensively to slow down this Alabama offense? Well, I am looking forward to the Stingley Jr. 
Yeah, I don't think there is. I mean, you know, let's count the amount of times that LSU actually crosses midfield. Because unless LSU figures out their offensive line compared to what it did against A&M, uh, you know, they're going to have the same issues that, against uh, Alabama. Uh, they need, you know, Finley needs to get the ball, get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, they need uh, quick passes and, you know, just make sure he's upright, maybe even call some RPOs to keep Alabama off balance because they do have some difficulty, you know, dealing with, uh, you, know, an, you know, an option quarterback, a two-way quarterback. Uh, but, no, I don't think they can move the ball. I, I think it's going to be a struggle all day long. Um, you know, that offensive line has to get better. Uh, I am looking forward to that seemingly uh, junior Devontae Smith matchup because I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, I, you know, as I've heard all week long, you know, both players are going to make plays. Uh, it is, it's going to be fascinating if, if, you know, we do get an ISO on that uh, throughout the ball game because that's special. I was looking forward to the other side of it, Patrick Sertain the second, going to – going up against Terrence Marshall, it'll be interesting because right. I had the I had the voice of the Tigers on my show last week talking about uh, Gilbert and how safeties and linebackers have been covering him. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Sertain second tries to lock down the tight end and, and really, you know, the last remaining big-time uh, 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 wide receiver option for, uh, for LSU. No, I, I think it's going to be a struggle for LSU all day. Dave, I want to ask you one other question, uh, non-Alabama related, before we let you go. As I mentioned, when I brought you on the show, you used to uh, work in Lafayette. You know Billy Napier really, really well, the Raging Cajuns head coach. He probably interviewed in person at South Carolina today. Pretty convenient to go from – and a crazy win last night for the Cajuns oh. as they finally defeated Appalachian State. We've seen so many coaches go from Group 5 to Power 5 uh, or go into the SEC, and they just flame out. Does If he does get a job at South Carolina, which is going to be difficult to win at, let's face it, winning eight or nine games at South Carolina is a successful season to begin with. I mean, does he have the makeup? He's from that Nick Saban coaching tree, so he's got that for him. Uh, but do you think he could he can build something there at South Carolina where – uh, it's sustainable for a little bit, and at least um, people there in South Carolina are, are happy with what he's doing. I, re- I really do, because, you know, he's only in his third year with the Cajuns. So although some players have left and he's recruited other players in, yet, you know, most of his players are pretty young. The Levi Lewis's of the world was under Mark Hudspeth, right? Those running backs have come under Mark Hudspeth outside of Chris Smith. So just because he likes to run it, although I don't know what the heck he was doing last night at the end of the game, though he likes to run it with the Cajuns, uh, I think he's going to use whatever he has. And in the SEC, you know, you got to be able to throw the ball. So he'll work with whatever he has as he has gotten the players better than what they were when he uh, arrived. I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he said, how about that win last night? So Cajuns, did he tweet that from Columbia, South Carolina? Can we figure that one out? Was he there? I don't know. I tried to find out if he was on the plane ride back, but, you know, it's interesting. Shane Beamer seems to be. Has he ever been a coordinator of anything, and they're going to give the job to Shane Beamer? Um, Billy Napier is like 20-4 and four in the last two seasons yeah. and playing in another Sun Belt championship game, and Shane Beamer doesn't have a win at all. So, And now Scott Satterfield is in the mix. What is that? From Louisville. Yeah, right, um, right. I do think Billy, yeah. I think the one negative on Billy is that he's not Mr. Personnel. He, he actually has kind of opened up a little bit this year. I think he's a little more comfortable right. in Lafayette, but he's not He's not going to win the, the opening press conference because he's not Mr. <laughs> Personality. He's, he's a meat and potatoes kind of guy, but he's You're right. he, he is successful. He, he's at least successful. Yes. And yes. so 
Uh, he, we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. Well, let me ask you guys quickly. Let me ask you guys quickly. I've seen recruits change their mind based on the outcome of one game. Does the South Carolina change their mind based on one or two decisions in one ball game? Because that would be crazy to look at him, what he's done, you know, in his totality versus, oh, my God, what did he do last night? Does the South Carolina change their mind based on that? I, I don't know. That was a crazy end. That mean, was a cra- how can you do that? If you do that, in my opinion, I think that's, that's, that's knee-jerky, if you will, you know? Yes, I agree, but we've seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, was, yeah. it was unconventional, but it paid off uh, last right. night uh, for, for the Raging Cajuns as they finally beat App- Appalachian State for the first time in uh, what – that was the ninth meeting between the two schools last night. Yes. Dave, thanks yeah. a lot for your time. Uh, we'll get you back yes, to uh, South Alabama and whoever – Whoever uh, are you sure? I, I got nowhere to be. Are you sure? You don't want to keep talking? You sure? I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, that is, that's Dave Schultz. Uh, does a terrific job as a afternoon talk show uh, sports host over there in uh, WNSP in Mobile. Uh, Herb, did you see the end of the Cajuns game last night? Did you see that craziness that Dave was talking not. about? I did not watch the end of the game. No, sir. So, I, so I I'll, I'll go over it quickly, and then we'll, we'll run into break. So the Cajuns are winning. Uh, they have the ball. I, I had it pulled up here a second ago. So they're up by five, right? And they've already had two bad snaps on punts. So mm-hmm. Coach Napier, is he, he's not going to snap the ball as a punt. And obviously, the, they're playing in Boone, North Carolina, and the conditions are miserable. It's raining. It's cold. It's all that kind of stuff. So they right. have the football at their own 31-yard line, and they decide to go ahead and – oh, hold on. I, I got this wrong. They have the ball at their own – yeah, 35-yard line. It is fourth and two. Fourth and two with a minute 45 left. You could go for it, and if you make it, you win the ball game. You could punt mm-hmm. it, which he's not going to do. They, they can't snap the ball. <laughs> so what he does is he takes a safety. Levi Lewis takes the ball and runs 35 yards backwards, and that makes it a three-point game instead of having a five-point lead. And, of course, they got to kick the ball back to Appalachian State. Now App State, all they need is a field goal to tie the game. App State does drive the ball down the field, but they miss a 39-yard field goal, and the Cajuns survive in, a more, in one of the more – unorthodox ways to win a football game. You know, it's weird that he didn't want to punt the football. It, there was always a play where the quarterback would punt the football. Where yes. He would line up, yes. maybe get, you know, seven yards deep versus five. They snap it to him, and he takes two steps, and he kicks it. Yes. It's essentially the same thing, you know what I'm saying? Or he just drop back and throw up. You know, I don't. I, though you can't drop back and throw a Hail Mary. You just have to just try to do something to get the ball past midfield, right? <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's that was the play was just to have the punter drop kick it and get, you know, a few yards out of it. But uh, it almost cost him. But everybody was going nuts on Twitter saying, what are you doing? How can you do this? But they ended up winning. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the big news of the week. Uh, really, it broke uh, last Sunday. Terrace Marshall deciding to opt out and not play. We'll get Herb's take on that. Uh, if you want to get in on the conversation, here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. Join us on the whodatlending.com talk and text line 504-260-1870. We'll be back after this here on WWL AM FM radio.com. Well, after really playing his heart out in the game against Texas A&M on Saturday, uh, Terrace Marshall announced uh, the following day that he is opting out and will now get ready for the NFL draft. Jeff Palermo, along with former LSU quarterback Herb Tyler, glad he could join us on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate and Show. Herb, want to get your take on 
Terrace Marshall deciding uh, to end his college career and get ready for the NFL draft? Um, you know, he went out and he got 10 receptions, uh, 134 yards, averaging 13.4 yards to carry, uh, catch, I'm sorry. And he had one touchdown against Texas A&M. He's by far probably uh, the best player on offense, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, some would probably, you know, have a toss-up between he and um, uh, Derrick Stingley Jr. as far as the best players on the team. Uh, with that being said, you know, it, it's it's something that I've talked to with some friends of mine, some buddies of mine, and, and it's, it's, you know, I, I don't have an issue with him doing what he's doing. Um, if he would have did it, you know, in the beginning of the season, uh, when Jamar did it, I would not have had an issue. He went out. He had to show the scouts. Um, look, last year, Terrence Marshall was the leading receiver up to game four or three or something like that. Then he got hurt, and he missed like three games. And then that really kind of slowed him down a little bit. But he was the leading receiver for LSU, not Jamar and not Justin. So everyone took notice of that. And then this year, you know, having to come back this year and be the guy – He's proven to all the scouts. He's got enough, uh, I guess, I think, game time video and tape uh, uh, on himself, you know, being the stud, being the number one guy, being all everything and living up to the Billings, no matter whatever happens, you know, whatever happens in a particular game. He's always produced. So I don't have a problem with it. Anytime you can better yourself, I don't I don't have any issues with that. That's that's, that's one of those things. And, and they all have the option to do that this year with this year being a COVID riddled year. And, um, you know, these guys are, are, are he's got to protect himself. You know, you don't want to have a, a, a quote unquote, Dak Prescott type of situation. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, of course, Dak is making $35 million this year or whatever it is for the, uh, uh, the franchise tag. But at the end of the day, Terrence Marshall is not getting anything. So all he's doing is putting himself at risk. So I, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm never going to ever fault a kid for making the best decision for themselves, especially when they're playing an amateur sport, to be able to, to put themselves in the best situation to go get paid and do what they love to do on the next level. And he's a kid that suffered a pretty significant injury his senior year in high school, so he knows what yeah. it's like to get hurt. And you yeah. mentioned he got hurt uh, at the uh, toward, and during, during the middle of last season. We'll take a break. We'll continue to get into that, in on that conversation. More coming up on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. I'm Jeff Palermo along with former LSU quarterback Herb Tyler. Stay tuned. Jeff Palermo sending in for Christian Garrick along with former LSU quarterback Herb Tyler wrapping up our number one of the show. A wild day in the Southeastern Conference already. Ready today, Missouri just scored 27 points in the fourth quarter to beat Arkansas 50 to 48. They just hit a game winning field goal to win it. Uh, also, earlier today, Texas AM beat Auburn 31 to 20. We got about a minute left here, Herb. Your take on AM beating Auburn earlier today, Herb? I thought it was a good win. It was a nice, solid, uh, smooth win for them. They needed that in order to stay in, in the hunt to try to get in that, that, you know, the top four teams, if you will. And uh, they, if they keep on just playing and doing what they're doing like they are now, you know, they're, they're making their statement. So they're just going to position themselves where they need to be. Yeah, they're 7-1 and one now. They'll take on Ole Miss and Tennessee. And then how about Missouri? Eli Drinkwitz, now 5-3 and three on the season. Might be the <laughs> SEC coach of the year. It might be. It looks good, man. He's doing a, a good job. They, yeah. can, they just got to keep on going, you know. Yep. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear uh, from one of my favorite high school football coaches in the state, Zephaniah Powell over at Amy. 
Devontae Smith graduated from Amin, and now he's one of the top players in college football. So we'll talk to Zephaniah about that when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. 